1 Corinthians chapter 4. How many of you know about the Corinthian church? Oh, some do. Boy, that was a problem church, wasn't it? Had a lot of bad things going on in Corinth. Really did. Had uh, one of the leaders of the church that was carrying on an adulterous affair. And, and Paul said it's commonly reported that there's fornication among you. And they had all kind of uh, sexual sin going on in the church. And uh, to add to that, it didn't slow down their extremism and worship. Yeah, because, boy, he said there was multiple uh, operations that he called uh, fleshly exercises, exercises in the flesh. And, uh, boy, that, that church needed a lot of instruction. Amen. And they had a lot of problems because uh, Paul was in addressing the, the, the real problem when he talked about, uh, though you have many instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. The difference in an instructor and a father, an instructor just feeds you the material. A father is concerned that you get it. A father is concerned about his children, that they get uh, that information that they need. Amen. There are a lot of things about growing up that a home needs a father. And a lot of the problems in our, our culture in America today is the absence of fathers. Missed a good place to say Amen. Amen. That's, that's something that is urgently needed in our, our societal uh, culture right now is we need dads and we need fathers who are examples of Christian faith, that are examples of what a father really should be. 1 Corinthians 4 and 15, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Now these, these people were called, the original Greek is pedagogue, pedagogy and pedagogos. These people were uh, instructors in the law. In fact, they had been uh, schooled. Uh, many uh, great uh, teachers, Gamaliel, the great Jewish scholar that uh, Paul sat at the feet of Dr. Gamaliel. And these men were instructors. They were great uh, orators. They were outstanding men that shared information. But they didn't necessarily have a vested interest. They just knew the material. How many folks do you know like that? They know the material. They just don't live it out. It's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to do. The Bible said if you know to do good and you don't do it, the Bible said to him it is sin. Amen. Disobedience and transgression of the law of God. So they had a large presence of teaching going on. And a large presence of, of folks that were uh, schooled in all the tenets and the facets of the law. He said, you may have 10,000. 10,000. The, the original Greek reads, you, you have multiple, you have many, many instructors. Many people telling you what to do. Many people telling you how to get it done. Many people correcting you for your errors but he said, but you don't have many fathers. Don't have many fathers. In fact, the Bible really reads, you have a father, a father. It's, it's impossible to have so, so many uh, teachers and educators in the law, but yet he said, you don't have many who really care. You see, number one, a, a father is a guardian, a guardian. What, what do you mean a guardian? He's a person that stands between his family and danger, who stands between his family and chaos, who stands between his family. He protects his family. He guards his family, and he is a diligent person. 
he watches and when he sees things encroaching and coming upon his family, he's not slothful, he's diligent and he'll speak out against those things that are detrimental to his family. Are you aware that there are things out there in our culture that are damaging for a family? Are you aware that you are constantly being fed day after day, 24-7, things that will destroy and things that will hurt and things that will injure your family, your children? It, it's a pitiful shame that children are being exposed to such damnable stuff that's being piped into homes all over America. It's really sad. And dads ought to be a filter. Dads ought to be the one that determines what children can uh, see and hear. Is that fair? That those entry ports, that something that a dad can take charge and, and be there to, to set those rules. Government shouldn't set those rules. A dad in that home and that family should be the one that sets those rules. Amen. And he, he's a guardian. He stands guard against the uh, fiery darts, they're called, and against the wiles of, of the wicked one. I want to tell you, he is the one God has assigned to protect his family spiritually, to protect them from spiritual assault by our enemy. Who is our enemy? Our adversary. The Bible identifies him. He is the devil. In fact, that, that good father is such a watchman. He is the first one to see the storm crowds gathering on the horizon. The winds of trouble and adversity that first blow upon the face of a father before they blow on the face of a family. The people behind the father are cared for by the protective care and the guardian watchfulness of a father. To be the father that God would have a person to be, you got to be deliberate and intentional about those things God has charged us with. How many would say in this room, I want to be the father God wants me to be? Not the one that a governor or somebody else wants me to be. I want to be the one that God wants me to be. Not the one that some, some political figure has said I should be, but the one God wants me to be. That means that God's guardian for the family is a man who reads the word of God. God's guardian for the family is a man who prays spiritual prayers and fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person. He is a person who lives in a manner that his family respects him. When your family loses respect for the leader, then chaos and catastrophe are close by. A dad, a father, must be diligent. You know, the Bible talks in 2 Kings about a father and a son. You know, Elisha was a son of a prophet. And one day that father was taken up in a chariot of fire. And as long as Elijah lived, Elisha was only worried about being a good servant. He wanted to be what his master, the person, the teacher, the instructor, who was Elijah. And he even said to him, I want a double portion of God. I want a double portion of the Holy Spirit. I want a double portion of the anointing of the power of God's grace and God's presence. I want double what you've got. And Elijah told him, he said, well, if you happen to be with me when I go up, then you'll receive that double portion of anointing. Elisha, is, he is the son of Shaphat. In 2 Kings 3 and 11, the Bible, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord? Hey, 
Have you ever been in a situation where you said, I need to talk to a man of God? I need to call a man of God that I've got confidence in. And Jehoshaphat was in that place. He is in a, a situation where he had an unholy amalgamation with a king. And he was going to go and inquire. And he took these kings of Moab with him. And they went to the prophet's house. And the prophet looked at these three guys. One was Jehoshaphat. And he said, if it were not for Jehoshaphat with you, I wouldn't even have come out of my tent. Wow. In other words, we got two guys that are not really servants of God. Their mouth says one thing, but their action does another. But he said, Jehoshaphat, I've got confidence in him. And Elijah said, I wouldn't even talk to you if you didn't have a Jehoshaphat with you. And Jehoshaphat said, is there not a, a prophet of God? Is there not a man that can tell us what God has to say that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now what that tells me is Shaphat raised Elisha to be a servant. He raised him to care about people. He raised him to be involved in the work of the Lord. He raised him to recognize a, a, a man of God. He raised him to be an instrument in God's hand. Do you remember when Elijah came by and he just threw the mantle over on Elisha? You know what Elisha was doing? He was plowing. He was plowing, the Bible said, with 12 yoke of oxen and he with the 12th. Now, I don't know if you've ever plowed before. But I want to tell you, that's pretty monotonous work. It's going round and round and round in circles, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Hey, when God threw that anointing upon you, God touched you and the Holy Spirit spoke to you, you were probably doing something like that too, going around in circles. In fact, he was, I say sometimes, he was following something dumb because he was plowing with an oxen, and he was following that oxen around and around and around. Now, can you imagine that anything so monotonous as going around and around in circles, plowing, following something dumb? Well, you shouldn't be too hard on him because you've been in that situation too, I'm sure. When you kind of like the prodigal son, you came to yourself and said, my Lord, how did I get in a mess like this? What am I doing following something dumb or somebody dumb like this? Shaphat had raised his son to recognize when God spoke to him. And the Bible said, Elisha said, hey, said, I pray thee, let me go and say goodbye to my, my family and I'll come back and I'll be a servant. I'll, I'll, I'll find, well, that's a good story. That's a good sermon because he went back and tore up his plow and he slew the oxen and had church and worshiped and offered that ox as an offering unto God and built the fire with the plow that he was plowing. You know what he was doing? He is burning all the bridges because he said, I'm never coming back to this. Once God has touched me, there's nothing to go back to because I burned the plow and I killed the oxen. And thanks be to God, there's nothing behind me now. It's all in front of me. Praise God. Wouldn't it be, it'd be a great day for us if we could realize it's all in front of us, not behind us. And Shaphat raised Elisha to be that kind of a servant. Like most fathers, 
sometimes you aren't appreciated until we have that service in here. You know what? I've stood at the head of that casket many times and had everybody say, he was a good daddy, Brother Jerry. He was, he was a wonderful dad. He was a wonderful father, Brother Jerry. He was, he was the best, best father a person could have. Well, why do you wait till then to say that? Why don't you say it when some of that goodness is going on and say, Dad, I really appreciate that. While you can say that to him, why don't you say that? This is a good day and a good time for you to say that. Thank you, Dad, for all you invested in my life. And thank you, Dad, for all that you did for me in, in my life. Dads need to be thanked at times. I'll just say right now to you, I need some of the things my dad had. Sometimes I find myself lacking in a lot of things that he had a whole lot of. My dad was not a in-the-middle kind of a person. I equate him oftentimes to the book of James where he says, there's no middle of the road. You're either right or wrong, yes or no, light, dark. Uh, no gray area there where you've got to scratch your head and wonder, I wonder what he believes. I wonder what he really thinks. My dad was one of those persons. You never wondered what he was thinking. In fact, to this day, if you ask me a question, I would tell you how he would answer it. And I find myself a lot of times saying, I wish that I had some of those qualities that my dad had. <laughs> I, I really do. A good father is not a whiner and he's not a complainer. I said a good father is not a whiner and he's not a complainer. He's not one that finds fault with everything and everybody. A good father is a person that searches for positive things in people and looks for good things about people. He's ever on the lookout and a father is always diligent to be a guardian for his family. And that's what that word means, a guardian. And then not only is he a guardian, he's a giver. A giver, a giver. Brother, to be a father and to be generous as a father is a wonderful trait. Amen. My, my dad told me one time, he said his dad wasn't very, he's tight as Dick's hat band. One of these days when I get to heaven, I want to see a Dick's hat band. Hat band. Michael, I've never seen one. And I'd kind of like to know what a hat band looks like. Is that that little sash-like thing? So come on, y'all supposed to know your hair's color of mine. <laughs> Dick's hat band. My dad's dad was tight as Dick's hat band. I think my dad got some of that, his Scottish ways from my granddad. Hey, not long before he passed away, he put some of Mama's fruit jars. Mama had been going a good many years and put some fruit jars out on the Vaughn Road there where he lived. Three for a quarter. Put a sign up, said three for a quarter. Some guy pulled over on the side of the road, said, want to sell these fruit jars, huh? Dad said, Yes, sir. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 20 cents for them. Dad said, nope. 
I will not sell those three fruit jars for 20 cents. And the guy was evident as tight as my dad too because he got in the car, drove off, and wouldn't give another nickel. Now that's tight, isn't it? I know of a guy, he's already gone to glory now, but when you'd eat at his house, he'd take a paper towel and tear it in two and hand it to you as a napkin. His wife told him one time, go get a bag of ice. And he went to the 7-Eleven, brought that bag of ice and laid it up on the counter. And the lady said, that'll be a dollar and eight cents. He said, a dollar? A dollar for a bag of ice? Yes, sir. That's, that's what it is. He said, well, let me go put that thing back. We'll drink our tea without any ice. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> no wonder getting offerings sometimes like pulling teeth. Huh? Wow. Wow. A real father is a giver. And the Bible said, if you being earthly know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give the things of the Holy Spirit to them that love him. Praise God. I'm glad that we have a heavenly father that is far superior in giving. Amen. That he delights in giving good gifts to his children. He delights in making you happy. Many years when I was, we were doing television ministry and own networks and I traveled a lot and did a lot of uh, meetings and those kind of things, and I'd all be a long ways from home, Philadelphia or somewhere, and fly in, and I knew what the first word was going to be when I saw my kids. Before they said, hello, Daddy, we missed you. Daddy, we're so glad you've come home. First thing they said to me was, what did you bring me? Daddy, what did you bring me? And oftentimes I would stop at an airport and pay three times the price for something. So I'd have something in my hand when I got home. And when I'd get there and they'd say, Dad, what did you? I'd play with them. So I'd say, bring you? What you? Come on, Dad. You, you don't ever disappoint us. You always bring something. And when I'd pull it out and see that smile and that little dance, you know, that Rachel would do, I don't know who gets the most good out of that, them or me. But the Bible said, if you enjoy giving good things to your children, how much more would your heavenly Father give the things of the Spirit to them that love Him? Our God is a giving God. Has He ever given anything to you? The Bible said He gives us everything. I'm wearing His suit today and got His shoes on my feet. I drove His car over here from the house that He owns. In fact, the Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all His. He just lets me use it to make life better for me. Not only is the Lord a giver and a guardian, He is a gracious God. Grace is in His nature. He does what He does because grace is in His nature. Love is in His nature. In other words, He promotes people around Him. He prefers others to his own comfort. He'd rather be a blessing than a burden. Wow. A good father is not self-centered. 
He's not high-minded. It's not all about him. He's interested in helping his children have a better life. He's working for their good. He wants his wife to be all she can be for God. He wants his children to grow up into the person that God wants them to be. You know, when Jesus was standing in the baptismal waters of Jordan, there was a voice from heaven. Remember what it said? It was the Father, and he said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. I believe God was so gracious in promoting his son Jesus. Listen, dads, there's an adversary that is out there that would like to stop the promotion and the well-being of your children. And they need you to reinforce them and undergird them. Brother Sewell used to use that word, undergird them, to lift them up and to encourage them. A dad needs to be an encourager. Amen? I got thrown out of a Little League baseball game one time because I was an encourager. I had a little boy on my team, and he just wouldn't swing the bat. He wouldn't swing it. He would drag that bat. He really, I don't think he really wanted to play. I think his mama made him play. He'd come dragging that bat out there out of the dugout. He wouldn't he'd pick it up and hold it. He'd drag it. He'd drag that bat out there to the plate. And when he'd get to the plate, he'd pick it up and put it on his shoulder and stand there. And the umpire knew he wasn't going to swing. No possibility of hitting it. So three roller balls to the screen later, he said, you're out. And that little old kid turned around and took his bat, started dragging it back over to the dugout. And being the encourager that I am, I said, that's okay, son. You couldn't have hit that ball with a boat handle. And that old umpire looked down there at me and he said, hey, you. And I was the coach. He said, you, you're out of this game. I said, you're throwing me out? He said, you're out of this game. For telling a kid he couldn't hit that ball with a boat paddle. Whatever happened to getting a walk? The mayor called me that night when I got home. What's that guy used to be a real estate agent down at Larry Fields? He called me that night and he said, I heard you got thrown out of a ball game. I said, you heard right. He said, well, what in the world is a preacher doing getting thrown out of a game? I said, I was encouraging somebody. <laughs> a dad needs an encourager. Amen. You know what? I, I go to those little league baseball games. Rachel is a bigger show than what goes on on the field. Come on, Manley, get the ball up. Get that bat up in there. Get it off your shoulder. Come on, get ready now. Hey, you're going to have to swing at a better pitch. That, that ball, you couldn't hit that ball. Why'd you swing at that for? Come on, hit that ball. Umpire, that, you call that a strike? That wasn't a strike. My Lord, that was a mile outside. Rachel is the best show you ever see. But she's an encourager. Now, Hunter, he's real quiet. And he'll say, when he gets him off to the side, he'll say, now, son, you're going to have to beat that, take some better pitches than that. He don't do it in front of everybody like Rachel does. It's really hilarious to watch that. But the bottom line is, a father needs to be an encourager and promote. 
Dads, don't engage in things that tear your family apart. Don't participate in things that put questions in their minds. Be sober and be vigilant and commit to your family. Pray and worship and lead by example. Not only does he need to be gracious, but a dad needs to be a guide. A guide. You know, I sing sometimes, Long and Winding Road, I think it is. What is it? Oh, I could turn around for the road is still there. But every mountain that I've climbed, I again would have to bear. So you see, I just can't turn back. Some may be using my track. How many young men have watched their dad and watched those tracks? Is it possible that the failure of a dad to walk the walk may have led to a young person going astray? Is that possible? Yes, it is. You know, whether you believe in generational curses or not, it's really something that it keeps happening, doesn't it, John? That it keeps happening. It keeps happening because somebody needs to break that chain. Somebody needs to break that behavior. Somebody needs to break that mold and break that spirit. Somebody needs to break that. And I know, I know a God who can break and the chains can be broken. Do you? I know a God who can do that. Not only should he be a, a man that walks those steps, he should be a man of prayer. Though we used to sing an old song when I was a kid. It was, if I could hear my mother pray again. If I could hear my mother pray again, if I could hear her tender voices then, how glad I would be, it would mean so much to me if I could hear my mother pray again. When I was a kid, brother, the women outprayed the men at church. Back then, when I was a kid, everybody knelt down to pray. Yeah. And buddy, when we went to pray, you could hear the women above all the men. You didn't hear the men pray hard at all. You heard the women. Women... Pray openly, and women pray, and most of them think their husbands don't pray at all because their husbands pray different. They pray different. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not faint. You've got to know how, and you've got to know when is the time for prayer. You need to have a regimen. You have a, need to have a schedule about how you go about this thing called prayer. you got to know how to hope. you got to know how to hide yourself in the wing, the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. you got to know how to take hold of the horns of the altar. you got to know how to get in the presence of the Almighty. you got to cast all of your care upon Him. you got to know how to turn things over to God and trust Him to bring you through. In closing, Jesus told a parable in Luke 15 about a father and a son. Two sons. And a father dealing with two sons. You know, I heard a, a story a long time ago, and there was this man whose son had left and had gone and took his inheritance and went into a, another country. And he printed an advertisement 
for someone that could reconnect him to his son. There was a knock at the door. Sir, I'm here to answer your ad. I hear you're wanting somebody that will find your son and bring your son home. He said, well, you you think you can do that? He said, I can do that, I think. And he went into the far country. But in time, he came back and he said, I couldn't do it. He said, wait a minute, sir. What was your name? He said, my name is Love. You know, if loving would bring them home, they'd have been home a long time ago. If loving them would have got them saved, loving them would have got them saved a long time ago. Love is great. Love does great things. Love can hide a multitude of sins. Love believes all things, endures all things. Love is that one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. There's another knock at the door. Yes, I'm here to answer your ad. I'm willing to go into the far country and look for your son. And so he departed and he left. In the process of time, he came back and he said, I'm sorry. I couldn't find him and I couldn't bring him home. He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Faith. If faith to believe that God could save, if faith to believe that God could heal, if faith to believe that God can bring a child home, They'd have been home a long time ago. There was another knock at the door. I'm here to answer that. that What is your name? My name is Hope. And just like the other two, he came back and said, I can't find him. I couldn't bring him back. If hoping that a son or a daughter would come home would get them back, they would have been back a long time ago. There was another knock at the door. Yes, sir, I've come to answer your ad. He said, well, what makes you think? We've had love and faith and hope, but they couldn't find him. They couldn't bring him back. He said, I've never failed. I always bring them back. So in process of time, he left and went to the far country, and he found the boy, and he brought him back. And the father rejoiced and he embraced him and he held him and he asked the stranger as he walked out the door, he said, wait a minute, sir. said, I didn't get your name. What is your name? He said, my name is Time. Time. I'm going to tell you, this book said there is a time coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Time is going to bring them home. I said time is going to bring them back. I just hope they come back while it's still an opportune time. That father stood every day waiting and looking at the horizon for his son to come home. He was looking for him. A good father is one who looks for and anticipates opportunities to connect to his family. Stand with me, please.
most amazing story that I've ever heard was a pastor friend of mine. His name was E.J. Reynolds. E.J. was a great preacher, great pastor, great friend. I have spent hours with him. His knowledge of the Bible, his knowledge of the redemptive provision, his knowledge of the, the Holy Spirit ministry. I love to be around him, be in his presence. Great dad. Had a house full of children, had six of them, two boys and four girls. Had one girl that ran away when she was about 16 years old. Enough dad telling me what to do, enough going to church every time the doors is open, enough of that, and she, she ran away. EJ and Violet hadn't seen him and seen her and or heard from her in two years. He was about to go, you've heard him tell this, brother forward, Don. He knelt down in his living room before he was to go to the church at Alabama City and preached that Sunday morning. And he said, God, I can't do this. I can't go and preach to people that God answers all prayers and that God does miracles and that God answers and touches and meets needs. And my daughter is going somewhere and I don't know where she is and I can't find her. And I don't know if she's alive or dead. And E.J. Reynolds said this. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get up and go to the phone and call Wendy's in Barcelona, Spain. He said, I got up from my knees and I walked to the phone to get an overseas operator at that time. And said, I finally got connected to Barcelona, Spain, Wendy's. He said, I finally got through and a guy answered and he said, I'm the manager. He said, we're closed. It's wee hours of the morning. I'm doing books. I, I wouldn't even be here at this time. What do you want? He said, is there a girl there named Rhonda Reynolds? And he looked around and he said, no. No, there's nobody here by that name. There's nobody here but me. He said, well, would you go outside and see if there's somebody outside named Rhonda Reynolds? And he walked outside that Wendy's and looked up the sidewalk. And down that sidewalk come a tall, blonde-headed, blue-eyed girl. And that manager of that Wendy's said, is your name Rhonda Reynolds? She said, yes, it is. He said, well, your daddy is on the phone and wants to talk to you. Boy, you missed a good chance to say praise the Lord. You mean God can do things like that, Pastor? Yes, He can. He's a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. He does miracles. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever lose faith. Don't you ever lose hope. Because our God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we're able to think or ask. I want to pray for you this morning in dismissal. Some of you've got some waywardness in your family, and some of you've got some people that you'd like to see God do some marvelous things for. Well, I want to tell you, on this Father's Day, our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father watches over us. 
His ear is cupped to our cry. His eye is upon every step that we take. He's touched, the Bible said, by the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities. Would you stretch your hand right this way and let me just make a point of contact with you right there? God, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone in this audience today. Thank you for this Father's Day. Thank you for the opportunity to get together with our children and with dads and that we can sit down to a meal and we can celebrate family and friendship and love and all the things that those refining influences that flow out from our home and our family. I ask you to touch people today, oh God. Minister to families. Minister to dads today. And God, give dads that, that strength and that fortitude to be the person, the dad, the father that God wants them to be. Thank you, God, for repairing broken relationships. Thank you, God, for healing marriages. Thank you, God, for giving second chances and second starts. Thank you, God, for doing new beginnings. And I ask you, oh God, today to strengthen, oh Lord, the faith and the resolve of all of our people. And may this Father's Day be a starting point for many to be the dad that God wants them to be. In the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, amen and amen and amen. And everybody said amen. Now give God some great praise all over this house. Amen. God be with you and God go with you as you go out those doors to be salt and light in the earth. God bless you. Stay safe. We love and appreciate you so much.